Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 20 of the Healthynomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kennedy, coming at you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And thanks, as always, for listening. This is lesson number four of my Get Started Running series. Be sure to sign up if you want to join my five-part email course to help you get started and discover the enjoyment of running. Head over to healthynomics.com slash start running if you want to sign up to that. Today I chat with Steve Boyd. Uh, I'll give you a bit of a brief uh, intro uh, on Steve and who he is. Steve is an elite Canadian distance runner, uh, a three-time national champion on the track and road, an active master's competitor who now coaches the physical Kingston Running Group and Queen's University Cross Country Track Club. He's got some impressive PBs uh, at 800 meters, 152, 1500 meters, 347, uh, 10K, 2841, a half marathon time of 103.36, and a marathon time of 217.28. Those are some, some ridiculously fast times. In today's podcast, uh, I chat with Steve about what a program for new runners looks like, how Steve screens the runners he works with before setting up their running program, whether alternating walking and running is a good place to start for new runners, what matters more, time or distance, especially for beginners, what's the most common mistake that runners make, advanced training strategies that new runners can also benefit from. I talked to Steve about whether or not generic running programs taken from the internet are good for beginners why beginners should include strength training in their programs, which strength training exercises are best for runners, and specific considerations for aging runners. I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. For all the links I mentioned in this conversation and a full transcription for all you readers, head over to healthynomics.com 20, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Healthy Nomics Podcast. Boosting your health and fitness IQ, one episode at a time. And now your host, Mark Kennedy. Welcome to the show, Steve. It's an honor to talk to you. Thanks. Glad to be here. That's great. Um, so for those listeners who aren't familiar with you, why don't we just start, uh, maybe you can just give us a little background on um, who you are, sort of I mean, where, where you grew up how you got into running and um, a quick overview of your running career and, and what you're up to right now with regards to running. Sure. Um, if you want an overview of my career, it might take a while because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been 30, a long one. 36 years long. But yeah, um, like a lot of Canadians athletes, I came out of a hockey background and wanted to do that until I was probably 14 or 15. And <clears throat> like a lot of people realized I was a little too small. And But I'd gotten a lot of conditioning from the other sports I'd done, uh, basketball and hockey uh, um and so i just by accident ran a school primary school race and 800 meters and won that and thought well that was too bad and just kind of kept going from there because i was winning and so this is in kingston ontario back in the late 70s and then 80s i uh, went to frontenac high school here in kingston um started doing well pretty well in grade 9 and 10 running middle distance 8 and 15 um finished high school uh decided to stay here at queen's university because the team at that time was was defending CI's champ. They were in some ways the Guelph of the day, although their dynasty wasn't uh we won I think they won three out of five years, three out of four. So it was a yeah, good choice. Pretty, pretty good though. Yeah, we were a solid team. So it, it really for me at the time didn't seem like a, a compromise with the NCAA, which is I had some offers there as well. So I stayed 
in Canada, ran in the CIS and uh, was all Canadian, um, I think, all four years. Were you running cross-country or what other distances were you running? I was running primarily cross-country. Um, I did a little bit of indoors, but not until third or fourth year because I was, in those days, the trials for the National Cross-Country, the World Cross-Country Championships were in February. So I usually focused on that during the winter. Uh, I only ran indoors, I think, my, my third and fourth year. Okay. Uh, so then went on from there to... Uh, I was running professionally while going to grad school at York University in Toronto. I uh, ran the roads, made several national teams, um, got better and better into my mid to late 30s. Uh, ran a marathon in my late 30s, ran 217. Uh, had a lot of wins and uh, up until age 38, more or less retired and then took it up again. And uh, I didn't stop running, but I stopped competing for a couple of years, a year and a half, and uh, went into masters and then sort of redoubled my focus there. and broke some records and won some national titles and so on. And that's kind of brings me to where we are now at sort of 50, 51, still, still cranking it out and that's wow. like still relatively healthy. So that's, congratulations. And, and uh, are you focusing, uh, obviously you're still running, but are you, you're also coaching, correct? Yeah. Um, along the way I started coaching, I started coaching my teammates back in the, in, in Toronto, back in the nineties. Um, then had a few private clients, uh, just before I moved back to Kingston to, uh, started teaching at Queen's University. Also, I got a doctorate during those years as well and, and, and had two kids and we raised those kids too. So <laughs> um, busy man. Yeah. At one point, sort of late two, late nineties, it was ridiculously busy. I was working, I was running professionally. So I was teaching, finishing my doctorate, running and trying to, you know, um, and raise kids and, and make the Olympic team in, in, the, in that year. So I got pretty busy, uh, but I was able to do some coaching uh, at that time. And 2000, I came back and I started a small group called Physical Running, which is what, you know, what I do now, uh, with four or five women in the neighborhood who just wanted to, to get in shape. I had a lot of success with them, uh, built the group over the years, and then launched the online um, aspect in, uh, I think it was 2006, 2007. And then 2010, started coaching at Queen's University here in Kingston, on the alma mater. I've been doing that for the last, I guess I'm in my fifth year now. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I've been following your blog for a while. Um, Alex uh, Hutchinson, who um, who you know, obviously, um, yep. pointed me to your blog um, a while back. So that's sort of how uh, I, I got to know you a bit better. I, I, I've heard about you before in your running, um, but I didn't know you had, um, you know, your site and your online or your coaching and your, and your blog there. So anyways, to anyone listening, I would recommend checking it out. And I'll put a link to um, your site in the, in the show notes for sure. Yeah, thanks. I, I never know who reads that thing. I just um, once in a while throw something up there. I'm not as good about updating it lately because I'm just been so busy. But and my posts tend to be pretty long too. So yeah, you know what? I've read all your stuff, and a lot of the you know your posts are are, are timeless pieces. So it, it doesn't really matter that you haven't updated it that often, really. Well, you know that's kind of the idea is that I I create content that's not sort of uh, dated in any way. You know, and it's more coaching advice rather than kind of what I had for breakfast that day. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, so today, um, as I mentioned to you before we um, started the call here, I want to talk about um, or focus on mostly new runners. Um, I'm doing a series here uh, on the blog and podcast uh, for new runners. So when, if someone comes to you, um, someone who's maybe, maybe they did a, a little bit of sport growing up, um, but they're, they're new to running and maybe they want to lose some pounds, um, where do you start those people and what, what sort of does their program look like? I know it, it's going to differ depending on their background, but sort of, I guess, take me through your process and what are sort of the questions you would want answered for that person? 
Yeah, um, I actually have an, in, an intake uh, inventory that I that I, I give to all new runners, and uh, I mean, I rarely get people that are that are real beginners, rank beginners, the kind of people that go to running room mm-hmm. and kind of learn to run. Most of the people I take on have done a little bit of running, uh, maybe maybe not as much now as they've done in the past, but uh, they're usually you know fairly committed runners who want to get to the next level. And what I ask them is uh, basic stuff: what you, what's your age, uh, what's your what's your weight, uh, height and weight, um, what are your PBs from 100 meters to the marathon, what's your injury history, what are your short-term goals, uh, what are your long-term goals. And um, then I ask for a picture or video of them so I can have a look at a get a little sense of how they move, uh, and then we go from there. So um, that's great. And when you get that picture video, what are sort of the what's going through your head there? What are you looking for? Are you looking at um, obviously a video of them running or and or walking? Are you looking at for their form or um, what sort of things are you looking for? Usually, I you know I, I look at sort of. Uh, you know what kind of shape they're in if they're if they're obviously have weight to some people think that they're they're they have a decent weight to, to train heavily and they're actually a little heavy so i'm careful about loading their volume yeah um also just you can sort of sense by how somebody moves how much running they've done in particular their cadence if you can get a video and if you see that their cadence is is up 180 and above that you know they've, they've done a fair amount of running or they naturally have a high cadence which is a great you know, it's a great thing to see when someone's turning over at 150 160 steps you know that they haven't developed the neural pathways and they're probably going to be putting a lot of uh, a lot of stress on their on their body when they run. They're taking a lot of weight with each stride. So these these are just little things to uh, to uh, help orient you so that you don't get the person um, you know doing too much early on. And I have a rule you know that I that I uh, or a goal I have for all new athletes, and it's that they don't get injured in the first year at all. So sometimes I have to be quite conservative with them, and all that all that data on their injury history and their and their athletics history uh, really helps me kind of avoid injuries in the early going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, and for these people, you know, once you've gone through the the intake process, wh- where do you start them? What sort of I mean, I say they're say they're looking. Their goal is to run uh, anywhere from five to ten k. Do you start them on a on a running slash walking program, or is it just running, or what does that look like? Well, like I say, most of my athletes have done a little bit of running, so we 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 take a, a short term goal. Uh, short term would be, you know, in the next three months, medium term goal would be within a year. And then long term is, you know, the, what they hope to achieve in the sport. Mm-hmm. So we start right away in the short term goal. The person's go- goal is to run uh, a 5K. Then, um, I mean, the, the, the lowest volume I'd have somebody on. And when I first started my group in the early 2000s, all four of my athletes were doing this. But generally about five days a week, uh, 40, 45 minutes for their easy runs. So they have day- and they have uh, two workouts in there. Uh, Two long sessions, a tempo run, and an interval session. Intervals being one, one and three minutes, one and five minutes. Uh, tempos between twenty and forty minutes, and they get the days off after those workouts. And that's a bread and butter kind of program. And um, you sort of see how far they can go on that. And some people can go up to a year on that, still improving. And we don't really add volume until they stop improving. Okay. Um, so that would be that's typically the lowest volume. And if somebody's not ready to do at least that much, I generally tell them to go away and uh, and run on their own for a while and try to work their way up to that much so that we can. Um, so we get going a little more quickly. It's it's just not it's not worth my time in theirs if they really aren't at the point where they can run even that much. So again, I don't really deal with kind of rank beginners. I tend to deal with people who want to get to the next level. Yeah. Okay. F- for pe- fair enough. For for people though that say weren't at that level, like is walking, uh, alternating yeah. walking, running a good place to start? Yeah, walking. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Um, you know the uh, what running room does with it start to run with the, you know ten and one is fantastic. Um, you know, even start someone at one and one if they had weight to lose and 
you know, they had the usual run of, you know, shin, shin and lower leg uh, problems. Um, it does take a while to build up the strength in the, in the calves and feet to be able to run, particularly if you're carrying a little extra weight. So just spending time on your feet is great. Um, you know, walking, you know, walking two or three hours at a go is fantastic or, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, whatever you have. It's great. And it's a great way to prepare to run. And if you just start to feel good, you throw a little bit of jogging in there and you're, and you're away. I mean, my mother started running like that years and years ago. And I, I got her going and uh, she ended up running uh, two marathons and, you know, like a 41 minute 10 K when she was in her forties wow. and she started just walking. She was a smoker as well. This was pretty remarkable. That's amazing. Um, and then another thick question I, I get once in a while and um, I'd love to hear your take on um, initially what's, what's more important. Is it time on the feet or, uh, distance run for, you know, we're talking again for beginners, maybe, maybe they're a bit below sort of some of the athletes you're working with, but yeah. Um, yeah, what, yeah. I always, I always go with time. Um, I don't want people to feel time pressure to cover a certain distance in a certain time. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually all my athletes all the way up to elite level run on time. Um, I, I know roughly what the top people are going to run per kilometer per, you know, uh, you know, uh, on an hour run or an hour and a half run. Um, but I still give them time uh, a time duration rather than distance uh, with beginners. Definitely. I mean, you think in terms of minutes, absolutely. And then, and why is that? What's the rationale behind? Um, well, again, I don't like people to know, to think about how far they're going because then they feel time pressure and they think that they often think, you know, it's intuitive to think that if I do it a little faster, I'll get, I'll get a better workout out of it. And and that's the enemy of, of consistency really is that people feel like that running a little faster is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better right away to think of them and th- have them think in terms of, just be out here for an hour or 45 minutes or whatever, hitting the ground uh, without any pressure to, uh, to go faster. And that way you develop, they develop good habits around their training. Uh, they realize that easy is easy. Uh, and then if you want to get uh, the most out of your workouts, you need to come in, um, you know, with the volume in your legs, but, but not with, uh, not with undue stress from uh, running too fast on your easy days. So it just, it's all about developing good work habits in the early stages. That makes a lot of sense. And I think for, you know, for a new runner as well, their body will be uh, in a little bit of shock and their body is only going to know like how long they were out there. It's not going to know whether they went, you know, eight kilometers or 9.7 kilometers. It'll just know that they're out there for, you know, uh, yeah. six, 65 minutes. <laughs> That's right. An hour is an hour. Um, it's, it's more or less the same for an elite runner as it is for a beginning runner, even a little more stressful local, um, sort of lo- local structures for beginning runners. Like I say, the calves and feet take a real beating if you haven't been on them. A lot, particularly if you're a little bit heavier. So, um, yeah, it's it's just getting them used to getting out the door every day. And there's a mental aspect of it as well. Like eventually they're going to have to, you know, run a little bit faster for an hour. And uh, it's just good to get them in the habit of going out the door and, and and being on their feet for that, even if it's just walking. Just getting in the habit of getting out get out, getting out the door every day for a, a decent chunk of time. Yeah, I'd say I've I've only run two marathons. The first um, marathon I trained for, and I was living in England. I all my training was based on time. My every run I went was based on amount of time. And then my second one, I, I ran uh, all my training based on distance. You know, I had a coach I worked with, and I, you know, obviously, it was a run twelve k, run sixteen k, and um, it's yeah, it's it's interesting to see. I you know, I had totally different mindsets in sort of both sets of uh, training. Uh, I'm not sure which I like better, but I could see the benefits to both. Well, you know, when we're doing. Um you know, a lot of the reason I do that too is that it's just simpler when I'm writing a plan. Um, I don't have to, you know, convert the person's training pace to a particular distance every day. I just know that it's, it's time. And 
and I'll know you know roughly how long it takes them to run a, a 10k you know, an hour versus half an hour. Um, but so it's easier that way. But um, I really do think if you give somebody a, a set distance, um, they're going to start timing themselves over that distance, and they're going to want it to be a little quicker than than the week or the day before. Yeah. So I, I just think whenever you can eliminate that, um, it's it's good to do it. Yeah, makes sense. What are some of the most common mistakes you see newer runners make? Um, yeah. Well, just that. I mean, trying to go too fast too soon. I mean, go back to my mother when she first started. Uh, I got her running. You know, I told her to you know to run between the between two you know two telephone poles and then walk one telephone pole. And um, she said, I don't know what I can't get beyond like a mile and a half or two miles or something. So I said, all right, I'm going to run with you. I'm going to see what you're doing. And so she takes off out the door at you know way under four minute K pace just hammering. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I, that's what I see you doing. You're going pretty fast. And I said, well, it looks fast, but it's not fast for me. So we slowed her down. And within two weeks, she was running seven miles straight. So it's starting too fast. Um, uh, you know, timing yourself all the time, uh, uh, really working, think, thinking that if you're, that if you, you get two weeks or three weeks in like that, you're really getting somewhere and not realizing that you need to take a much longer view. You need to do things that are going to keep you consistent for mm-hmm. some weeks. So the biggest mistake is, yeah, is just biting off more than you can chew. Usually in terms of speed, not in terms of volume. People will rarely run, you know, start trying to run two hours a day, but they might start trying to run half an hour a day as hard as they can, and they, they don't go anywhere when they do that. Yeah, and it seems to me it just makes it less enjoyable too. I mean, you're a new runner. You go out there like your mom did and start hammering it. Your, yeah. lung, your lungs are burning. Your legs are killing you, and you're not going to want to go out the next day because it just sucks. <laughs> You're absolutely not. And then if you throw a bunch, you know, the kind of delayed onset soreness you're going to get as a result of that, uh, you're just going to think if this is running and I don't really like it. And that's kind of the point my mother was getting to. And I know other beginners, you know, people, there's a little more general knowledge now than there was then. But I still see people trying to, you know, university students barreling out the door of the, you know, of our phys ed center and uh, on, a, on a spring day or a warm day in the winter. And uh, you just know where that's going. They're going to get shin splints and sore caps and they're going to say, I can't run. I, I'm one of those people who can't run. I meet people all the time who say, I can't run. It hurts my knees or I can't run. It hurts my, my shins or my feet. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, how, you know, how fast do you run? How far do you try to run? Well, I try to run quite hard. And you know, that means, you know, basically all out. So yeah, again, just bad habit. They just set bad habits early on. And uh, sometimes it's hard to break those actually too. Pe- people who get a little success doing that think that that's, that's the way to go. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what about training strategies? Um, I mean, obviously there's lots of advanced strategies, but are there any training strategies or strategies or methodologies that you would use with uh, your elites that would be suitable for um, a, a beginner runner or a runner that's been running for a little bit, such as, um, I don't know, sprints or hills or yeah. uh, plyometrics and things like that? The basic structure of every program I write is, is, is roughly the same. Uh, whether it's for uh, a relatively new, you know, relative newcomer, beginner, or an elite, um, you know, you need to learn how to run. You need to learn how to run easy, and you need to learn what easy is. Um, you need to learn uh, what tempo running is, what interval pace running is, what rep pace running is. Um, these are roughly, you know, the pace you can run for an hour uh, on your best day, fully tapered, would be tempo pace. Interval pace is roughly the pace you can run all out for 11 to 12 minutes. Your rep pace is the pace you can run out all out for roughly four minutes. So an e-pace, your easy pace is the is you know conversational, um, you know you can speak in full sentences, uh, no distress. Um, you need to learn all these basic paces, and uh, th- those that's those are the building blocks for any program. So every program I write has 
you know, uh, two types of faster running per week. It may change throughout the year, depending on the macro cycles. Uh, and uh, so a long run, a tempo run and a, a harder interval session or rep session. And that doesn't change whether the person is a, whether it's a, you know, 45 year old beginner or, uh, or someone like Dylan White's, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of the sport is that beginners, not rank beginners, but you know, people with a little bit of experience can train like elites can. And some of them can even do the same kind of, you know, volume and minutes as elites can as well. I mean, I have a, I have a 52 year old who runs just over three hours for a marathon, didn't start till she was 42. I mean, she can run 150 K a week. So Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, if they're built up carefully and if they understand the basic elements of a, of a, of a training scheme, they can go a long way. I mean, this, this athlete understood how to run easy, nailed her paces on workouts all the time and just really looked after herself. And, you know, 10 years later is one of the best 50 year olds in North America. Wow. Uh, and what about plyometrics? Um, I mean, that's a fairly demanding exercise. Um, if people don't know what that is sort of, um, I guess, loading the muscles, like bounding type exercises, jumping and that type of thing. Yeah, those are great. Um, but again, there's, there's like with every kind of training, there's a cost benefit. And uh, it really depends on the athlete and the distance they're training for as whether we would integrate that stuff. Middle distance runners, it's, yeah, it's young middle distance runners are still pretty resilient. It's, um, it's, it's absolutely mandatory. Uh, older distance runners, I would never have them do that. Uh, again, there's a benefit to every kind of training you do, but in some cases, the costs outweigh potential risks outweigh the benefits. So I would never have a runner over about 35 do any kind of, uh, any kind of plyos. 20 year old middle distance runner going to Queens University. Absolutely. Yeah. Do that kind of stuff. Um, again, um, not in every case. It would depend on how, how injury prone they were. If they had a history of, you know, foot and lower leg problems. We'd be very wary of that stuff. Um, I, I generally prefer, you know, static uh, lifts like heavy, basically the heavy lifts, you know, squats and uh, upper body stuff, lunge, Bulgarian lunge, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just, just basic legs and tough calf raises. Uh, but if an athlete is, you know, particularly uh, resilient, no injury history really to speak of, uh, we can do some jumping up and down. Sure. Okay. Um, another question I'd like to ask is, um, is there a place out there for generic running programs for beginners? And, and if so, how can a new runner get the most benefits? Um, I know I'm gonna, probably getting an interesting um, answer because <laughs> you're a coach, and I, you, you, yeah. I think I know what your your answer is going to be. But anyways, I'd, I'd like to to see what you think there. Yeah, well, I think we're we're at an interesting juncture now with with running. There's so many runners. Big races are selling out. Um, you know, months ahead of time. One of the biggest problems I have now is that you know I, we try to plan for somebody, and they say oh, I can't get into certain race because it's sold out. Um, and as a result of that, there's actually more information, you know, available online than there's ever been before. There's just huge volumes of information. We're, we're, we're past the point where it's actually useful. There's now so much that people don't know how to sort through it. Uh, and you can, in two seconds, can Google up some kind of generic plan and follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're particularly good at sifting through and processing information uh, about how to approach running and uh you know, you know, knowing how to run easy, just having good instincts that way. You can get away, you can go quite a long way on, say, uh, you know, just a prefab uh, running room program that you can download. Um, you can do pretty well on that. And I actually have had a few athletes coming off those who wanted to take the running to the next level. Um, but it, it managed to do reasonably well on those. Uh, it just depends on what you want to get out of your running. Um, generally speaking, I think most people can't. There's too much information and some of it's, some of it's contradictory. Uh, so they just uh, they just get overwhelmed and they're better to go to somebody they trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, there are, there, there are a lot of people doing specialized coaching as well who, you know, um, and I, I wouldn't name names, but they really don't have the experience and background 
to do it. Um, they maybe can talk the talk and they're uh, good, good self promoters and all that, but they really haven't, uh, you know, worked at a high enough level to, to really be able to guide people in that way. Um, not because there's just lots of money out there to be made, made doing it. Um, so generally speaking, if, you know, I would recommend that if someone can find somebody they, they trust, it's affordable for them or even locally. There's, I mean, there's, it's not just online. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of coaches operating around locally now who can, uh, help you out and there are other runners who also run and you find out who they're working with or, or maybe they're self-coach and they're doing a good job. Um, but so if you, you always prefer an actual human being who you can, you can talk to, even if it's another athlete over something you just download off the internet. Um, Cause then you can't, I mean, a, lot, a lot of the coaching processes is what you do when things break down. I mean, plans rarely go according to uh, the spec. I mean, they just, they just do. And so what, what you're following a plan, what do you do when it falls apart? You know, yeah. how, how do you, uh, how do you improvise from there? And uh, I mean, most of what I do is that kind of thing is it's not going exactly according to plan. I had to miss a day or this or that happened. Now, what do I do? Yeah, people that, are feeling uh, at a loss when, when they're in that situation. And that's where coaching is. I mean, you're, I mean, a lot of people could write a, a basic program and send someone on their way, but you really have to have some experience to be able to help somebody actually work through it. Yeah. That really resonates with me. Again, um, I did my first marathon, took a generic runner's world marathon program, um, of course I felt good and I, you know, was very athletic growing up. So I ramped up the volume way too quickly. Yeah. I ended up with iliotibial, iliotibial band syndrome, uh, plantar fasciitis. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't have anyone there. You know, I obviously I went to a physio for some treatment, but I didn't have anyone there to course correct me and to, you know, help me get out of the, the hole that I dug myself into. Whereas the second time around I had a coach and I, you know, everyone's you're going to get little issues here and there and be, miss some workouts and get sick or traveling or whatever. But it, it helped me immensely get through the program, um, you know, injury free and, and feeling good and healthy. That's an extremely familiar story for me. I mean, probably a third of the athletes I coach approach me um, saying, I, I can't, I'm injury prone. I, I can't, uh, I can't seem to run above X amount of, of, of uh, kilometers a week. And I say, well, let's just see about that. Let's just see how it works when you're actually doing it properly and you're getting feedback on a regular basis. And uh, yeah, I've had people that said they couldn't run at all, and they've, they've now three, four years in without a single problem, without a single missed day. They're just rolling along, running. You know, they, they didn't think they could run more than 10, race more than 10K. Now they've got two, three marathons under their belt, and they're running fast. Yeah, if you can have somebody basically to help you avoid really obvious mistakes uh, and keep you from going back to square one all the time, you can re – People can really go a long way. People's minds are blown by what they can do if they uh, avoid those obvious mistakes. And you mentioned some strength training uh, earlier. What are, um, well, first of all, is strength training important for a runner? Um, and you know, don't need to spend too much time on that if you don't want to. And then um, also just what are two or three great exercises? You mentioned a couple. Uh, any other exercises that you recommend your runners do? Yeah. Um, strength is a huge thing for us. Um, you know, from university age runners all the way up to masters athletes. Um, it's really important when you're starting out, particularly for female athletes to develop pelvic stability and power um, to avoid injuries in the long term. But it's also extremely important uh, once you're over 40 and particularly over 45 to maintain muscle mass. Um, people get, uh, there are a lot of injuries that result from just loss of, of mass and, and the big stabilizers in the lower body. Um, you see people lose glutes and quads and all that, and they lose pelvic stability and develop their knee problems, IT band problems, anything all the way down the chain. So that's absolutely crucial. Again, younger runners, I wish I'd known this when I was younger, but how to, how to do a proper core routine. Um, so your planking, your, uh, your ball curls, your, you know, your side leg raises. There's, 
there's a million things you can do that now you can you know go online and pick four or five solid things and do those for core. So developing core strength for younger athletes and then developing a little bit of a, a little bit of upper body power. Again, fairly simple. Um, body weight exercises are great. So pull-ups, push-ups are innate. Push-ups are an underrated exercise. They're fantastic. Um, uh, pull-ups, push-ups, uh, some rowing. Rowing is very good for runners because it counters that posture, the ten- tendency for the shoulders to roll in. Mm, Open you up a little bit. Yeah. From being in a fixed arm, hands in front position all the time, cause the shoulders to curl. So that's another reason to avoid uh, you know, crunching kind of activities that shorten the muscles in the in the, in the front of the body. Uh, so a lot a lot of pulling, rowing. Um, but you can also do uh, start for the shoulders. You know, uh, dumbbell press. Uh, I do d- a lot more dumbbell press now than bench. I don't really do bench anymore at all because I find it tightens my chest and, and and neck and stuff. So I do dumbbell presses. Uh, dips, uh, parallel bar dips are fantastic. Um, just a simple kind of curl. Uh, uh, over the sh- overhead press, one arm presses with the dumbbells, fantastic. And then you mentioned squats and uh, Bulgarian lunges as well. Yeah, a squat like a goblet squat. Uh, people know what that is. You hold the hold the dumbbell in front of you for balance, and you squat down. Uh, for older runners who can't handle a lot of resistance, and again, you don't actually need a lot of resistance uh, to start getting gains in those areas. You know, a middle distance runner may throw a, do a, a back squat, you know, with with a fair amount of weight on, or a front squat. Um, most runners don't need to do that much if they're not running middle distance. You know, a goblet squat is good or put a ball, a gym, a Swiss ball against the wall, hold a couple dumbbells and do a two-legged or one-legged squat that way. That's fantastic. Uh, to open up and do like a single leg with a Bulgarian squat is really good. Just make sure you're not overloading that. And most people can do that with no weight at all and get a decent benefit from it. If uh, you, you're fairly strong, you've worked up to it, you can, you know, grab a couple dumbbells, you know, 10 to 20-pound dumbbells and, and throw a good load on there as well. So that stuff, you know – I've done some kind of lifting since I was, I was just thinking about the other day, since I was 13 years old, uh, I missed, I, I did when I was age 12 and 13 and didn't do it again until I was 20, but I pretty much done some kind of strength training for you know, over 30 years. And, um, it wasn't always the best stuff, but, um, I think I benefited from doing anything at all. I wish I, I wish I knew then what I know now about the, uh, the importance of all the, of all the lower body stuff, the squatting and then calf raises and all mm-hmm. that calf raises, another good thing. Cause I think I could have, I could eliminate a lot of the, the problems I had in my late 30s, uh, which resulted from really just kind of atrophy, you know, ca- ca- catabolism of the big uh, big stabilizers in the glute and low back. And yes, which caused me to have back problems late in my 30s, which I then was able to fix with strength training in my 40s. So, again, I wish I'd known all that. And I'd like to make sure that young athletes know how important that is if they want to have long careers. Okay, that's great. And that's a good uh, actually transition to um, sort of the last question before I know we're running short on time here. But um, uh, considerations for aging runners and you mentioned obviously muscle mass being one is there any other considerations for the aging runner um that's really the big one um also be aware that your recovery rates are a little slower mm-hmm. um you know you're like if you look at your skin your skin's getting a little you know a little bit uh stretched and stuff so that your collagen is basically wearing out which is what happens when you age while your connective tissues are also made of collagen um, they get a, they get a little stiffer and they uh, break down a little more quickly and they take a little longer to uh, to repair. So re- recognize that uh, you know your your feet, plantar fascia, your Achilles, IT band, anything that has a that has uh, that kind of connective tissue is vulnerable as you get older. So those things take a little longer to uh, to 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 repair and you you are tearing those down every time you run faster. So but again, keeping the muscle mass up really helps uh, unload those structures a little bit. Um, if you're if you're bearing weight, you know, in a balanced way where it's supposed to be born, you can go a long way towards preserving those structures. But 
they just realize you're older. It takes a little longer to recover. Um, uh, and, and you're also, you're going to get less bang for your buck when you do train, you get less of a robust response because all those growth factors are not there in the same, uh, quantities that they were when you were in your twenties and thirties. Um, so you're going to get less bang for the buck. You have to work harder to get what you get, uh, particularly in the weight room. You got to work pretty hard. Uh, but it, it'll, it's not like you can win. You're not going to win. You're getting older. But you, can, you can lose a little more slowly. And that's, so that's the name of the game. And I think, you know, Matt, older runners now are really, I'd say this to people all the time, are really reinventing the sport in, in the sense that they're showing what's possible at advanced ages. It really, like, I'm, I'm blown away all the time by what, uh, people my age and older can accomplish. And even people who haven't done it all their lives and people who have done it all their lives are just, uh, it's, it's incredible. You know, Ed, Ed Whitlock or uh, Bernard Legat down in the U.S. who's 40, still running world-class times. I think this, my generation of athletes is showing that you can do, you know, we're basically, we're going to rewrite the age grading uh, tables uh, in, in, in favor of sort of showing that athletes can do a lot more at advanced ages than anyone ever thought they could. Yeah, and, that's, and that's going to come from great sports medicine. It's going to come from great, you know, great physio and just basic knowledge about how to preserve the body. Yeah, no, it's great. I hope to to follow um, in your footsteps and just keep 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 healthy and keep running and keep uh, improving as long as I can, and then be okay with the point where I'm not actually improving anymore, but just running and staying healthy and doing what I can. Absolutely, and I tell people all the time, it's just as much fun. I mean, uh, there are moments when you think, "Ah, shit! I you know, wish I could, I wish I could run as fast as I did before," but um, it's the same challenge all the time, and uh, there's the same camaraderie, there's the same thrill of competing and all that. And there's the same, uh, general health benefits that, you know, I tell people, you know, you're a fairly young guy, you're going to go through difficult times in your lives. You're, you're having kids or job stress. Um, don't, don't try not to give up your, your athletics, try not to give up your running. You will thank yourself double fold in the few years down the road when you're still doing it. Now we've had friends that gave it up because they were having kids and they felt like we were being selfish for not giving it up. And, uh, now they envy us and, and wish they'd stuck it out just for those two or three years when they were under a lot of stress, it's a good stress reliever, even if it sometimes it feels like it's adding to your stress in the long run, you'll, you'll thank yourself. Well, I'm uh, deep into that now. I've got a, almost a three-year-old and a, a two and a half month old. So, uh, yep. and running's uh, one of the things that's uh, keeping me sane. <laughs> yeah. You're dead. That, that's the hardest time of your life to do it. You get through this, you know, in decent shape and still in a routine and it's all gravy. Yeah. After that, so yeah, just give yourself another two years, and you'll be good to go. Yeah. Uh, before we end here, uh, you mentioned recovery for aging athletes. Is there, do you have any rules of thumb or any um, any anything you follow with regards to like how do you know if you're ready for your your next workout? Maybe you're feeling a bit tired or sluggish. Is there is there any signs that um, you know maybe you should skip your workouts or? Yeah, my I mean my recovery rate's still pretty good, so I I can still get two decent sessions in a week. Um, but there are times where they don't go as well. And I find it, it's even for me, it's a moving target. There are some days when I can get away with you know, a couple of days recovery in between, which is what I've always done. And then there are other days I just can't. So I will, ba- I'll, I'll, I'll bail on a workout after, you know, a couple of reps if it's not going well and I'll, I'll wait another couple of days to go back at it. But generally I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. My recovery rate is good. Um, and it, as you get older, it's, it's a moving target and some days it works, you know, some days, two days is good. Some days it's not enough. Uh, but then also there's a lot of variability, you know, between athletes. I have, you know, I have a, a master's athlete now, Chris Mercier, who just ran 223 marathon his 40th birthday. I mean, that guy can run 200K a week and, uh, you know, run a marathon and recover two or three weeks later. And he's 40. Yeah, that's so, amazing. <laughs> uh, you really have to get to know yourself and you know the athletes you're working with. But generally, I mean, he probably had re- crazy recovery rates in his 20s. 
so his, they probably slowed. He was just always amazing at recovering. So um, you just kind of know what your uh, what your what your personal you know rates are like, and, and know that they're gonna that's gonna get a little worse as you get older. I don't know what the rate again. It varies from person to person. Yeah. Uh, but expect it. Just sort of uh, anticipate it because it's gonna happen. And then be prepared. Don't be so hung up on your your plan. And that's again where a coach comes in. If someone can give you permission to postpone a workout for a couple of days to make sure you get the quality. Yeah, I think it's important for people to know too. I mean, if you miss a workout or two, you're not going to lose any fitness. Um, no. Yeah. If anything, if you're you're not feeling it, or you're maybe you're starting to feel a little sick, you're you're not going to lose any fitness, and you actually perhaps benefit from taking that workout off and resting, and then come back and when you're feeling good, and you'll be able to get more benefits from your next workout. Absolutely. Um, like the, your, what I call your gross capacities uh, take a long time to gain and a long time to lose. Uh, now, if you're getting sick and hurt all the time, then there's obviously something wrong with your plan, and yes. it will erode your fitness. But y- you're right. You can't be hung up on any one session. And, and also think about it. If your goal is to run as much as possible, um, do you really want to run the risk of being off for a week or two because you had to get that one workout in? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're with getting sick and stuff, your injury risk goes way up when you're sick. When you're uh, when you're inflamed and you're tight, you're going to get you know you're a lot more likely to get injured if you're if you got a virus. So you're better just to, it's like the old stitch in time saves nine. It's it's always it's always been true. Yeah. Uh, and you get to know your body when 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 you can work through something and when you can't. It's never uh, it's not an exact science, but you get better and better at it. And if you have a, a good coach, he'll he'll be able to maximize your odds. You know as far as that stuff goes too. But generally speaking, it never pays to be too hung up on the plan. Like the plan is not ordained by God or anything. It's just a plan. Um, it, it's not perfect. So, you know, if you have to deviate from it, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Well, listen, Steve, um, I don't want to take uh, any more of your time. I know you've got a, a trip out to BC uh, tomorrow, you mentioned. Yep. Um, so thanks very much for your time and expertise. It was great talking to you and I'll be sure to put all the links to, um, to your blog and your coaching uh, services and, um, some links to the exercises uh, that you mentioned, which will help uh, a lot of runners for sure. Excellent. Well, glad to be of help and uh, good luck with your, uh, your future endeavors. Great. Thanks very much, Steve. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Nomics Podcast at www.healthynomics.com.